podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. I wonder if you can recall a moment in your life where it was like time just stopped. A moment of pure joy, pure happiness. One of those just special moments that when you look back to it, you just smile. You feel happy, you feel joy. It was one of those precious moments in life. A moment where just everything just felt good. Maybe it was a holiday that you went on and it was just perfect. A meal with great company and laughs and uh, everything was enjoyable in that, in that moment. Maybe on Mother's Day you remember your mum's cooking at home and it just makes you smile as you think back to those favourite meals that you share with your family. Maybe it's standing on top of a mountain. Maybe it's watching the sun set on some particular day. Maybe it's walking through the forest, swimming in the ocean, sitting on the beach. What was a moment in your life that you can recall right now where it was just beautiful? It was perfect, it was great, and it was like time just stopped in this moment. These moments of our lives are what brings so much joy to the experience of life as we live it. And I wonder if you've ever tried to recreate this moment in your life. You tried to orchestrate things and get everyone back together for that meal at the same place at the same time of year and make it happen again. You went on exactly the same holiday with the same people or you've been trying to recreate your mum's special dish for eight years only to find that she forgot the special ingredient in the recipe that you needed to have. How many of us have that story? You've been cooking and cooking and cooking. It's never the same. And then all of a sudden mum says, you meant to put it in the fridge. Why didn't you do that? <laughs> All of us have some kind of story like that. Have you ever tried to recreate some of these special moments? You know what's really interesting as we try to recreate them? It's actually really hard, isn't it? You can try and line things up in exactly the same way as it happened the first time, but for whatever reason, this time it's different. It's a new memory. Something's changed. And if we try to recreate these moments in our lives, we can sometimes find it frustrating because it's not just the same. Something's changed as we try to recreate these special moments in time. We begin to recognise that actually the joy in life is not recreating this moment, but simply recalling it. Living in it again, smiling and enjoying this moment for what it was, a special moment in time, and then allowing ourselves to live in a new moment in a new time, to create a new memory with whatever it might be, whoever it might be in the experiences that come before us. Some of our most precious memories in life, we just can't quite recreate them. We can't control them. They just are. And they are the experience of life. And somehow, I think this illustrates to us something about the experience of God's favour in our lives. Not that God's favour is behind us. It's a historical thing, not at all. God's favour is with us, is here, is present and is before us, is coming. We will step into it. It's not a past experience, but I think something of the gift, the free and whole gift of God's favour is what I want us to draw a parallel with. Because God's favour is a wonderful, joy-filled, incredible gift, but a gift nevertheless. We don't control it. 
We can't recreate the perfect formula to have God's favour enter into our lives, but instead His favour comes and brings joy. And it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's something of happiness and excitement and fun when we experience His favour. And this is what I want us to know of the favour of God. Over the coming weeks, we just saw an awesome bumper with some music that we're going to groove to for 12 weeks or so. We're going to look at God's favour from a range of different angles. Thank you for your favour. Thank you for your favour, God. Thank you for your favour. When we experience the favour of God, it leads us into thankfulness. You feeling like a grump today? You need to step into God's favour. It leads us into thankfulness. His favour brings joy into our lives. Thank you, God, for your favour. And so as we spend the next few weeks reflecting, looking at, understanding what God's favour is like, may that be the cry of our hearts, one of thankfulness, one of joy, one of wonder as we walk through life with him. And so as we get going, I want to just clarify one thing. When I, I know when I say the word God's favour and, 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 and we think about what that might mean, there might be a whole range of ideas and pictures and, and, and understandings of, of what that might be. So just really quickly, I want to run through a few don'ts as we start this series, a few things that God's favour is not, uh, just to clarify what it is that we're talking about. So the first thing is God's favour is not God's favourite. We're not going to tell you that you are God's favourite. Favour and God's favourite are are not connected. There's no favouritism in this conversation. God's favour is something so much more profound than that. God's favour is not necessarily money, house, success, achievement, achieving the goals that you want to get to. God's favour is nothing like that. There's no prosperity conversation here. That's not a part of what it is that we're looking at. God's favour is not a carefree, comfortable existence where everything works. What we're going to see is that God's favour can come with challenge. It can come with struggle. It can be confronting. It is not always just a walk in the sunshine. God's favour can bring us challenge in our lives. And God's favour is not controllable. There is no formula here. There is no simple three-step process for you to bask in the favour of God. That's not what we're going to talk about, formulas and techniques to shift God into your life and and get his favour off him. No, it's a gift. You don't control it. I don't control it. God's favour is a beautiful, wonderful, precious gift. And when we receive it, it is a joyful experience. And so there's a few things that God's favour is not. Let me just have a go at defining what God's favour is as we launch into this series. Now, I've got to say this is dangerous because if you try and define and look for the ways that people have described God's favour, what you will find is that there's a lot of paragraphs. God's favour presents itself in extended chapters or whole books as people reflect on what it looks like, whole sermon series because God's favour is so vast, it's wide, it's so multifaceted that to try and bring it down into one sentence is dangerous, but I'm going to have a crack. And Alan and Katrina and the others can fix up all the problems with this definition as the series goes. So here we go. This is our working definition to get started on God's favour today. God's favour is this. It's his power and presence at work through me for my blessing, for the blessing of others and for the work of God among us. Let me read that again. 
God's favour is his power and presence at work through me for my blessing, for the blessing of others and for the work of God among us. God's power and presence at work through me for my blessing, for the blessing of others and for the work of God among us. This is something of the favour and work of God in us. And so today I want to take us to the story of Abraham uh, in the Old Testament. Genesis 18, we're going to read for and look at the way that God's favour presents itself, the way God's favour is articulated, explored, experienced through Abraham's story. So if you've got your Bible with you, Genesis 18, if you want to read along on the screen or on whatever device or whatever way that you read scripture, go for that today. Genesis 18, we're going to read from from verse uh, 1 to 10. It says this, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Marm while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour In your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sheaths of the finest flour and knead it and bake some some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds of milk and and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. This is the fifth time, the fifth time that God has presented himself to Abraham to make some grand, great promise about the world being blessed through him, about a child being born to him through his wife, Sarah, about many nations coming under his family line, about the land that he will give Abraham, these great, grand promises. This is the fifth time that God has come and spoken to Abraham. And interestingly, on the four occasions previously, God has shown up with power and wonder and strength and might. It has been clearly God when he has spoken to Abraham. He's come and shown Abraham the stuff and said, your children will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. He's come to Abraham and he's spoken to him in a, in a dream, in a vision, in this crazy, powerful way that was clearly God at work. He's called him out of the land that he grew up into a, into a new land, into a new place that he would live and said, I will give you all of this land. God has come and spoken to Abraham in powerful and significant ways on four occasions. And now on the fifth occasion, now the last time that God makes his promise to Abraham before he holds a baby in his hands. It's this weird, underwhelming experience. It just says the Lord appeared to Abraham. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know how Abraham knew that God was there. I don't know exactly. It's this strange, unusual, underwhelming, mysterious presentation of God that doesn't line up with the other four. That's unique and different and and, and odd. And I wonder if you found yourself asking the question from time to time, why doesn't God speak to me? 
Why doesn't he come to me in powerful and significant ways and talk to me like how he talks to people like Abraham? Why wouldn't God speak to me so clearly that, he, that you know, I could go out of this place and go to, the, to another land and he would prove to me that he was going to give me these? Why doesn't God speak to me clearly? Well, there's four occasions that God speaks to Abraham clearly and it, it's obviously him. And then there's this fifth one that is unusual. It's mysterious. And I wonder in the moments when we don't think God is speaking to us like Abraham, I wonder if we consider a mysterious moment like this, this strange, odd, underwhelming expression that the Lord appeared to Abraham. And I want you to notice something. It says, Abraham sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. Not back in the tent asleep, waiting out the, the heat of the day, the uncomfortable weather, not, not having a meal and relaxing and waiting for some better times to come before he might go to the, the door of his tent and see what was happening outside. No, Abraham was searching for something, was waiting for something, was sitting at the door of, of his tent, intently looking for something to happen, waiting on God maybe searching for his presence to come into his life, searching for what it is that God might do in Abraham's life. God, Abraham was at the door of his tent, searching intently for something. And what he noticed was three men. Strange, underwhelming, everyday experience. Three blokes rocked up and stood just down the road from his tent. And somehow, in this everyday experience, Abraham recognised the presence of God in this moment. God's presence at work here in this moment. We later see that these three men were not just men. There's some crazy stuff that goes on next. There's some kind of angelic heavenly beings and, and all sorts of stuff happens beyond this. But Abraham doesn't see this. He just meets three blokes. And he recognises something of God's presence in this moment. Friends, it's not uncommon for us to wonder where God is. To wonder, is he here? Is, is he with me? Is, is, he, is he walking? Well, why can't I see him? Why don't I know that he is present? But I wonder if we need to ask ourselves the question, where am I seeking? Where am I searching? Where am I sitting at the door of my tent and longing for God? Maybe in the big moments, but maybe in the mundane, everyday moments of life. How am I searching and looking for him in the experiences that I go through every day, that you go through every day? Where is God in these places? Because it was in, it was in the intense searching and longing for God that Abraham noticed the presence of God around him. Maybe you're sitting back waiting for God to enter into your prayer life and do something powerful. Maybe you're longing for him to work in a miraculous way as you pray. But let's ask ourselves the question, where are we searching? How is our prayer lives leading us to intently seek after God in our lives? Because this incredibly everyday experience, this plain moment of life somehow mirrors the entrance of Jesus into this world. In an everyday, low-key moment, some baby was born in a town called Bethlehem. And he was missed by so many people because he didn't present in the big, powerful, mighty, strong ways that we long for and hope for. No, he came into poverty. He came into brokenness. He came into humility. 
just a boy from Bethlehem. And to those that were searching intently, looking and longing for the work of God in their lives, they noticed something in this man as he walked through his life. But to those who are looking for God to present himself in a powerful, strong and mighty way, somehow, Jesus, they missed him. They missed the work of God in their presence before them. To recognise Jesus, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. Something of following Jesus and knowing him is this perpetual, ongoing journey of seeking, not having answers, not knowing all of the stuff, but seeking, questioning. Looking, searching, sitting at the door of the tent of our lives maybe and wondering, where are you, Jesus, in this experience of my life? This is what Abraham is doing. And as he does, the favour of God pops up in this story. For the first time in Abraham's life, the word favour is used in this unusual, unique story. Now, you might think that if God was going to come and speak powerfully to someone like Abraham, call him out of the land that he grew up in, promise him these great promises, you would think God would come at the start and say, Abraham, you have found favour in my eyes and therefore I'm going to do great things in your life. But this is well and truly into the story. This is the fifth time that God comes and it is Abraham that asks the question of favour, not God, who declares it over him. Abraham asks if I have found favour. And the poor bloke, no one answers him. You look carefully at the story and they ignore his question. They just carry on in conversation. No one speaks back to him. The best that he gets is, yeah, if you want to do that, go for it. If I have found favour and everyone ignores the question, and you know what's amazing? Abraham never hears God say to him, you are favoured, Abraham. God never speaks to Abraham and tells him that he is favoured. Abraham never hears it. Instead, he experiences it. Abraham never hears the words, you are favoured, Abraham. Instead, he experiences it. Abraham asks, if I have found favour, would you stay with me? Would we share a meal together? Could we live together for this moment? If I found favour in your eyes, could we, could we enter into something of relationship? And Abraham never hears the words, yes, you are favoured, but instead he experiences relationship as a result of the favour that he has found in God's eyes. And this is the thing I want us to see and know today as we start this series together. That, re- that favour and relationship with God are inseparably linked You cannot pull these two things apart. Abraham is never told that he is favoured, but he experiences it through relationship with God as God appears to him in this moment. He experiences it. It's not just an empty promise. It's not just a comment. It's not just a, a thought or an idea. It's an experience. It's a lived moment of Abraham's life. This powerful idea that relationship and favour are inseparably linked. Through God's favour, we experience relationship with him. And through relationship with him, we experience the favour of God. We know the favour of God. And this is what Abraham finds in this moment. This is the answer to his question. If I have found favour, God, would you share relationship with me? And these three men 
One of them possibly, if you read the, the reflections and the commentaries, one of them may be God himself in this, in this moment. Sit down and share a meal with Abraham. Reminds him of the promise of God over his life. And they enter into this moment of relationship. And friends, you and I can live in moments when we wonder, where is God in this moment? Where is God in my life? I can't see him. I don't know him. I don't recognize him. I don't even know if I am favored. I don't even know if I would qualify. Maybe the favor of God is for someone else, not for a person like me. You know, there's a bunch of stuff in my life that's just not together, that's just not clear, that's just not right. Maybe this conversation about favour is for somebody else. Do I have favour? Do you have favour? The answer, friends, is in Jesus. You want to know if you have favour? Look at the life of Jesus. You want to know if the favour of God is for you, is with you, is seeking you? Look at the life and the work and the ministry of Jesus. You are favoured in an incredible way. God's pursuit of relationship towards you comes out through the life and the work of Jesus. So favoured are you that Jesus came into this world and comes to you in this moment, where you are, in the experiences of your life today. So favoured are you that you are offered this gift of relationship with God through Jesus a removing of any barriers so that you might experience relationship with him. So favour to you that you can know God's pursuit through the witness of Jesus, through the reading of the stories in the Gospels and through the experience of walking with him in this life. This is the favour of God. God's favour and relationship are inseparably linked. Because here's the thing. The definition that I played with earlier, if it is true, God's favour is his power and presence where? At work through you. Not bypassing you, not dealing with the stuff around you, not answering the problems around you. No, it's relationship through you. This is the work of God's favour. It is relationship with us. So friends, may we step into it, experience it, Open our hearts and our lives and all that we are to receive from God. This incredible gift of relationship through Jesus. And may we be a people who sit at the tent door of our lives, searching intently for the work of God in the everyday experiences of our life. Yes, he may well come in might and power and strength and authority. He may well break through in a powerful way and change everything in your life. But he may well rock up looking to share a meal with you with no words, not to answer your question, not to get into a debate, but to simply let you experience the gift of his favour through the blessing of relationship and knowing him. How do we know God's favour? First, it's revealed through Jesus. We see it, we know it, we understand it through him. And as we intently seek to see Jesus and, and seek him in every moment of our lives, effectively sitting at the tent door of our lives, searching, looking, longing for him, wondering where he is in our lives, we somehow enter into this journey of relationship with him. 
As we seek him, Jesus says, you will find me. As you seek me, you will step into relationship with me. And there, friends, we experience the joy and the wonder of the favour of God. These two are inseparably linked. God's favour and relationship with him come hand in hand. So over these next 12 or so weeks, may that be your experience. May that be my experience. May that be our experience of people celebrating and knowing the favour of God among us, coming through the life-giving, thriving relationship we have with him. Amen. Friends, let's pray together. Thank you for your favour, God. Thank you for your favour. Thank you for your favour. We could continue to sing. We could continue to call out, Jesus, thank you for your favour. You are so loving to us. You are grace-filled. You come to us in every moment of our lives. Thank you for your favour. Thank you, Jesus, that in the hardest, darkest, most challenging moments of our lives, your favour is there. Thank you that when we can't see it, we don't know it, where we wonder, where we question, actually there your favour is. Through relationship with you, Jesus, that as we seek you there, we will find you. You call us into this journey of following, of seeking, of questioning, of intently looking. And Lord, in, in, in the lives that are represented in this moment now, in this room and, and online, there will be big moments this week. There will be significant moments where you come and turn up in power and unmistakably you are there. And then there'll be moments this week that are quiet, that are mundane, that are everyday occurrences. And Lord, we know that the favour of God will be there. That in those moments you will call us into relationship with you. You will call us to wonder to look intently, to search for you. Father, may we be a people that recognise those moments when you come, those times when you are present. May we be a church, Lord, who seeks after you in those moments where it's an everyday opportunity, it's an everyday opening, it's an everyday moment, but Father, we recognise and see you there. And over this journey of these next few weeks, Father, May we experience the joy and the privilege of relationship with you. Jesus, you came to give us so much. And some of us here today, in this moment of worship, carry great burdens, great weight, anxiety and stress and concern, and we feel like we're not enough. Maybe like Abraham, we wonder, if I have found favour, could it be that I would have favour? And I want to ask in the name of Jesus right now that you would settle that question in our hearts, Lord that you would answer that question. Yes, we find favour with you. It comes through your son, Jesus. His gift of love on the cross is the proof, is the evidence, is the work of that love. And we're invited to step into relationship and journeying with you. Jesus, may that be our experience. May that be our life lived. May we walk with you boldly, with courage, with great question, with great searching, intently looking, after, looking for you. Father, as we do that, may the joy of the journey cover our lives. Father, bless us and lead us and guide us in your almighty ways. 
We give you all the glory and honor and praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friends, let's stand. Let's worship him together. God's presence is here. He's working among us and he is for you.